Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Good evening. Um, welcome all of you for to our Tuesday night Torah class. Thanks for coming out and um, studying the Torah with us. Let's see. Let me open with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the day today. Thank you for the good weather. Um, and we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the Torah. We thank you that um, you've brought us together tonight to discuss it, to talk about it, to uh, look at it, and really dive deep and, and see how this stuff applies to us, Father God. And I'd ask that you just bless our conversation, help us to uh, listen to one another and to learn from one another, and just uh, watch over us as we try to walk out your Torah. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hello, Alfonso. So, I want to review just a little bit where we were. As you know, we're in the book of Leviticus, and we're just marching along and doing as much as we can do each week. And um, I try to just keep it at a reasonable pace, because otherwise we'd probably spend a month and a chapter. But on the other hand, I don't want us to feel like we're, oh, gee whiz, we've moved along, and I had questions I needed to ask. So anyway, we're, um, we're in chapter 13 of Leviticus. And we've talked about Leviticus and how Leviticus is... Uh, is a prime example of what they, what Bible scholars call a chiastic form, uh, which means it starts at, at wide in the beginning and then gets narrower and narrow, narrower to a point in the middle, and then it broadens out at the end, much like the letter X. In Greek, the letter X is called chi, and that's where the word chiasm comes from, so it looks like an X. Anyway, um, this is a chart uh, drawing that uh, I got off of a website called thebibleproject.com, which I wholeheartedly recommend to you. Thebibleproject.com is a really good place to go look at things and kind of get uh, a good summary of uh, all the different books in the Bible. And these, these guys are pretty sharp, and they also have some pretty significant artistic skills. And this diagram, I, I just have something on the screen, I've been using it, but it's to remind us where we are in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is a, it's kind of a tough book, and we're over in chapter 13, which is, uh, we're coming down the left side of the chart down there, and um, we're talking about ritual purity. And chapter 13, the, the center point of the X in the chiasm is chapter 16 and 17. It's the Day of Atonement, and we're just a few chapters away. So that's if you kind of know that the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus is really the center point, really what it's all about, it helps you. Because otherwise, you kind of, I the first, first 10 years I looked through this book, I just read right through that and thought, yep, there it is. But it really is kind of the, the point of what they're doing. Anyway, so last week, we got into this thing about uh, chapter 13, my... my uh, Bible calls it uh, infectious skin diseases. Usually it's translated as leprosy. It has been translated as leprosy uh, for centuries. 
Um, in modern times, uh, leprosy has been renamed Hansen's disease because it's a very specific, I found out it was bacteriological disease that's got this tremendously long incubation period. It takes like five years after you've contracted Hansen's disease before it becomes symptomatic. Um, but it's, it's a disease that slowly uh, eats away your body, starting at the extremities. And it, it makes your skin look scaly. And so that's why in the Bible when they talk about uh, leprous, you know, the, his skin was leprous, white as snow. The white as snow has to do with the fact that, the, that your skin gets all scaly and white looking. Uh, but we found out that actually it's not really leprosy that they're talking about, but it is some sort of an infectious skin disease. And so we talked about that last week. We went over most of chapter 13, and um, I don't know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot spot too much, but um, well, maybe I won't. I'll just I'll just talk about it for a few minutes. The what's the procedure um, if you think someone or if you think you might have an infectious skin disease? What do you do? Beg your pardon. Go to the priest. You go to the priest, and the priest examines you, and then there's this process that he goes through. Some of it is uh, awfully detailed about looking at the sore and seeing whether or not it's below the surface or above the surface and what kind of color hair is coming out of the sore and all this kind of stuff. It's a little bit tedious, kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. But anyway, if the priest can't determine, or the first time I think he necessarily says, well, I don't know, it could be, it could be leprosy, then what's, what's the, what do you do? Quarantine. Goes and stays by himself for seven days, and then he comes back. And if... Uh, it's grown and, and gotten worse. Um, the priest says, oh, yep, yep, you got it, bud, you got it. Or it's, if it's gone away, it's gotten better. He says, well, I don't know what that was, but it's gone, so you're okay. Now, all of this has to do with ritual cleanness. You're not allowed to be in the camp and to uh, be around God if you're ritually or ceremonially unclean. And these infectious skin diseases, we're going to find out there's several other things you can do to be ceremonially unclean, but uh, the infectious skin diseases are one of those things. Mike. Oh, we have a microphone up there, but we don't have a microphone purveyor. So since he's the, yeah, since you're the first guy to, to have the microphone, we'll just Purveying. let you purvey the microphone. So uh, when the guy was quarantined, they have to send him outside the camp? Yep. And yep. he just lives in a tent by himself? Yep. We're going to talk about that because that's a big, big deal. But anyway, at the end of the week, um, the priest goes out and sees him and looks at it and says, oh, that's gotten better. You're okay. Um, this, this is the process for cleansing now that you've, you, know, you really don't have it. And um, it's got to do with washing all your clothes and shaving the hair off your body and waiting for a while. But we, we'll, I think we talked about some of that. And then he can come back. But if you really have leprosy, I think that's, we didn't quite get there, but I want to make sure and read about that because that's pretty important what happens. And then we also, uh, in the same thing, they talked about um, the same chapter, chapter 13. Um, if you have a burn and the burn turns reddish and then it, it describes a bunch of stuff and, and that might also be leprous, but of course that's not leprosy. It turns out that's probably just an infection. But back in these days, they didn't know the term infection. Um, 
So there's that, and then there was baldness. Is baldness leprosy? Well, it turns out that it could be if it was caused from some kind of a rash or a sore on the head, but it's not unclean to be bald, I'm pleased to say. Uh, so that's a good thing. Let's see. I think we got over about uh, verse 40 or so on chapter 13, and I want to read. I don't know that we read this, but let me read it, and then let's talk about it. I'm sorry, Joe. Okay. I, I just noticing that every seven days, like this uh, inspection was uh, weekly. Well, you only had two chances. I mean, yeah, two chances, yeah. but it was, uh, it was uh, two weeks. Yep. Then, you know, and then yeah. maybe later on another two weeks yep. or so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I guess the idea is in two weeks, something's going to change. Either it's going to go away or it's going to get worse. And so then they know what to do with it. But I wanted to read um, verse 45 and 46 in chapter 13 of Leviticus. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. Starting in verse 45, it says, The person with such an infectious skin disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean, he must live alone, and he must live outside the camp. So it was a pretty big deal to, uh, to have leprosy, to be, uh, to be diagnosed with it. And the... Um, and like I say, there's a couple of things to talk about. Number one, to reinforce is the whether or not you had leprosy was entirely the decision of the priest. And the priest didn't have anything to do with whether or not you got cured. It was assumed that God was going to cure it. Uh, but whether or not you had it was the priest's job. And the priest, his, he was responsible for making sure that the, the camp stayed clean. So if, if, you, if he determined that you had leprosy, then the job involved telling you you had to live outside the camp. So, I don't know, I remember some kind of a particular, kind of a, I don't know what to call it, sad scene in one of these movies that was old, you know, epic movies. I don't know, it might have been Ben-Hur or something like that, where people lived in the so-called leper colony outside of town, you know, and they lived, you know, in, on subsistence stuff. They lived, they were shunned. They lived, you know, if you had leprosy and you came, kind of came across someone else that had leprosy, you could live together, but you lived out by yourself. And people would come and leave things, you know, near your area and then turn around and leave. And you could, that's how they got their food. That's how they, they survived was people giving them stuff so they wouldn't just starve to death. So being a leper was a pretty, a pretty bad thing. Um... Okay, let's see. I wrote notes so that I wouldn't goof up this stuff. So one of the things that, if you've got questions or comments, let's talk about it. One of the things I wanted to point out is Judaism has always considered uh, leprosy. By the way, it's not, it's not clear what the disease really was. It, it looked a lot like infatigo or something like that, but it's not really clear. They definitely attributed it to God's judgment for something. And what it became associated with was God's judgment for, uh, you know, what they call Lashan Hara, which which means evil tongue. It's gossip and slander. Just, you know, saying bad things about people and just basically trying to cause division and, 
and uh, disunity in the body. And it, they have reasons for um, talking about or, or for associating the occurrence of leprosy with this, and I thought we'd go through some of those, if that's all right. There's, if you look up leprous and leprosy in the Bible, there's three or four really good places that we can go look at. John? Why does he have to tear his clothes? Um, Is it humiliation? Is it a way to identify him clearly from other people? Well, or? Typically, when you tear your clothes, it's a sign of, uh, um, you know, grief. Yeah, right. it's, uh, it's what you do when someone near you dies or something, mourning. So tearing, th that's typically what it's for. Um, they also, they, letting their hair be unkempt is a simpler kind of thing. You know, it's, you, look like you're in bad shape, I guess, is kind of the way I'd sub, subtitle that thing. But the real deal is if you're running around, anytime anybody comes near you, you have to cover the lower part of your face and you have to say, unclean, unclean. Now, the idea for that is you don't want someone to come up and mistakenly touch you because if they mistakenly touch you, then they're unclean and they have to go home and, and wash and they're not clean until the next day or whatever. So the, this being unclean is a, is a bad thing. I mean, when you think about contagious diseases, it's exactly the way you'd like to handle a contagious disease is if you know someone's got a contagious disease, quarantine them is the word we use for that today, right? and uh, limit your exposure, limit the exposure they have to other people so that the disease doesn't spread. But that's not at all what, what the Bible says it is. You know, the Bible, it, it, they didn't understand contagious diseases. And so it was commonly thought of as, a, like I said, a consequence of sinful or uh, poor behavior, if you will. So there are three places in the Old Testament that talk about um, leprosy. And so I thought I'd, uh, I don't want to read them all, but I wanted to read one of them in particular. There's, in 2 Kings chapter 5, is the story of Naaman. I say Naaman, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but it's N-A-A-M-A-N. And Naaman was uh, a high-ranking military official in the Syrian army. And this occurred when uh, the northern kingdom was still around. And uh, the Syrians had, you know, generally subjected the northern kingdom. And they were uh, the king, the various different kings of Israel. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Various different kings of Israel were paying tribute to the Syrians. Um, Assyrians, I should say. And, they, um, and this general uh, happened to be, of all things, this general in the Assyrian army, uh, a believer in God, but he had leprosy. And typically, leprosy is not curable. And um, one of the things he had done whenever they was busy down beating up on the Israelites was they, uh, he had gotten a slave girl and brought her back for his wife in Assyria. And uh, this slave girl happened to tell his wife that it's really too bad that your husband has leprosy because if he would go down and talk to a prophet of God in Israel, he could cure him of that. And um, the story goes, that well, so this general's wife told him, and he decided to go do it. And it's really kind of a funny story. You'd like it if you read it. But I, again, I don't, want, I don't want to read the thing. It's a whole chapter. But the guy goes, and he sees, I think it's Elisha. And Elisha tells him what to do 
to be cured of leprosy. And he basically tells him, and go, he says, go down and dunk yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman, he's mad about that. He says, he says, we got better rivers than that in Assyria. I don't want to go down and take your podunk river. And, and, and so the prophet said, intelligently enough, he said, well, if I ask you to do something really, really hard and pay me a lot of money, would you do it? And he says, well, yeah, if it get rid of the, it would get rid of the leprosy. And he says, well, so if I tell you to do something easy and it'll get rid of the leprosy, why won't you do it? So he kind of had him on that one. So he went down, he did it, and he was cured. Mike. Wasn't it his servant who told him that? Oh, the, I think it was. Yes. Told the uh, Na Naaman. Well, he told Naaman's wife, but yes. No, no, Naaman's servant. Oh, when, that's... When Elisha told Naaman uh, yeah. and he... That's a different part of the story. Well, that, he, he was the one who told his... His, his master, hey, look at the uh, prophet said, do this or do that. Uh -huh. I mean, you do it, right? You go, uh -huh. yeah. He says, well. Yep, you, I is, think you're what, right. What he's asking isn't that hard. Yeah, what, yeah, why would you turn your nose up at something that's simple? Just because it's simple, right? That's yeah. kind of the point. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of uh, following the Torah. Yep. It's really not that hard. No. You know, I don't know why people... <laughs> You yeah. don't want to do it. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get a hundred percent. You're not gonna. You know, right out the gate, do everything right. But God's allowed for that. Yeah, He expects that. That. That's the point. He says. It says in uh, Deuteronomy. He says these are not too hard for you. You can do these. Anyway, um, Naaman is happy enough. So excited about the fact that he was cured. He offers to give Elisha a bunch of money, and Elisha says, I don't want your money, I don't take anything. He says, okay, then let me take at least two uh, donkey loads of dirt from Israel, because I want to take, take some earth of Israel back with me, and I, I, from now on, your God is my God, and you know, I want to... There's an interesting part. You ought to go read the story. 2 Kings chapter 5 is a good story, and that's a good one. That's... One of, the, one of the places that talks a lot about leprosy. But I didn't notice anything in there that had anything that you could conceive of about evil speech or gossip and slander. Now, nobody, it never says how Naaman happened to get leprosy. One can assume that he might have done something like that, but it certainly doesn't say that. And you, you know, if, you, if you assume that, then you're making it up, right? So that's one thing. The next one is in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Yes. It, it seems like he was a rather successful person. Yes. Yes, he was. But, and that might tie in with this thing in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 6 talks about Uzziah. Does anybody remember the name Uzziah? Who was King Uzziah? King Uzziah, he was an, uh, a Judean king. He was a king of the southern kingdom at the time of Isaiah. Because if you open the book of Isaiah, it says, in the sixth year of King Uzziah or whatever, that's, that's who he was. He reigned for a long time, Uzziah. But, um, and he was, he was one of the few kings. Now, the northern kingdom of Israel had no king ever that the Bible says about him. He was a, he was a good man and you know, he was a good king. They're all terrible. Uh, most of the ones in Judah were that way too. But Uzziah is one of the few kings that the Bible speaks highly of him. But it says as he got older, he became arrogant. And he um, 
one day he wanted to, he got it in his head that he ought to go in and offer incense to God in the, in the temple. And so he did that. And the priests told him, you can't do that. You're not, you're not allowed to do that. This is the job. Uh, we're our sons, our descendants, direct descendants of Aaron, and that's our job, and you're not allowed to do that. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the king and you aren't, so I'm going to go do it. And they, they all stood up to him, and uh, immediately he was struck with leprosy. Now, that's not quite evil speech either, but it's arrogance. It's kind of an attitude issue that you might be able to infer something from. But the real one, the real episode about leprosy that I think ties the knot up in terms of what causes it or what might be the cause is Numbers chapter 12. So I figured we're going to get there when we get to Numbers, but I'd like to read it anyway because it's one of my favorite stories. It's not long. So Numbers chapter 12. So I'll just read it if that's okay. Starting in the beginning. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Miriam and Aaron were Moses' brother and sister, right? Uh, talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. It, quote, Has Yahweh spoken only through Moses, they ask? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And Yahweh heard this. Um, it's got this... Okay, I'll read on. Now, in parentheses, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Now, Moses wrote the Torah, but he didn't write that line. It's in parentheses. Anyway, verse 4, at once, at once, Yahweh said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out, and then Yahweh came down in a pillar of cloud. And he stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. So he took Aaron and Miriam and says, come here. Okay. When both of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When a prophet of Yahweh is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of Yahweh. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Boy, I you know, just, just yanked him up by the back of the neck is the way I look at that. The anger of Yahweh burned against them and he left them. When the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin that we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses, Moses cried out to Yahweh, O oh God, please heal her. And Yahweh heard Moses and said, If her father had spitten her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days, and after that she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. Okay? Now that, to me, ties it pretty tightly with what you might call a shan hurrah. I mean, they, it, it's more than just evil speech, which it was, but it was this, this rebellious attitude that, um, yeah, it, it was similar to what uh, Uzziah did. You know, Uzziah said, look, 
You know, I, I, I don't care that uh, you think it's your job to go in and light incense, put incense on the uh, altar. Uh, I'm king, and I can do it too. And so I'm going to do it. It was, it was an arrogant attitude in defiance of what God had said. And you could, you could see that the same thing was true of what Miriam and Aaron had done. So that's their primary reason for associating leprosy with, uh, again, evil speech, uh, but a little bit more than evil speech. Do you have any comments or thoughts about that? Hi, Esther. Well, let's, let's see. We'll get you a microphone. Just a comment, I guess. Um, Aaron didn't get anything, and Miriam did. How come? They were both talking. Mm -hmm. That's a great... Do you know the answer to that? Is that a rhetorical question? I don't know. Okay. What, uh, what do you have to... Um, let me answer the question first. What, do you, what, do you, what state do you have to be in before you can serve God in the tabernacle, the tabernacle service? Well, that's one thing. But you have to be, you have to be ceremonially and ritually clean. If Aaron had been struck with leprosy also, he wouldn't have been able to do his job. He would have to immediately leave. And he would have to go do what Miriam had to do. So in some sense, you could say it wasn't fair. But on the other sense, uh, God, God's God, and he's going to do what he's going to do. So I guess he figured perhaps Miriam's the one that instigated it more than Aaron. Uh, perhaps not. We don't have any proof of that. Uh, but I, I think it's because Aaron... You know, God, if you will, needed Aaron to stay on the job. And if he had given him, struck him with leprosy, he wouldn't do that. Aaron, Aaron's a fun case study because there's all kinds of places where he stumbled. And we think, I think, I used to think a lot, he got off easy. You know, he, it, it looks like he, he skated by all these things that he did, like the golden calf. You know, he, he, he made that golden calf and he said, yep, out popped this golden calf. That was a you know, but he got away with all that. So anyway, like I say, God, God. Joe. Yeah, I think um, the fact that one reason Aaron wasn't uh, being smacked like uh, Marion, <laughs> it was because uh, he was, uh, when Moses, back in the scripture, that Aaron was supposed to be the one of the priests. And so maybe that's... Uh, Unless Marion was the outspoken one, Aaron. Aaron was weak in, the, in this, and where he was following, following Marion's. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. That there. Yep, I think and that's right. I don't understand why Marion was so much against Moses. Well, it and, wasn't so much that she was against him, is that it was a kind of a, if you ask me, kind of a spirit of rebellion going around. You know, it was like, um, and I don't have any idea what it had to do with his Cushite wife. But they were basically just, I mean, the, the essence of their question was, well, I don't know who made you, you know, uh, our leader. You're not all that great. We, we hear from God just like you do. So, you know, they, it, was, it was that attitude is really what was the, the root of the problem. But boy, I tell you, God, he didn't mess around. He said, let's, let, let's talk about this right now. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Could it also be because they were in the tent of meeting, right? They were what? In the tent of meeting. So he says, you three come out. Oh, to the tent of meeting. No, they weren't in it. They were in front They'd of go, it, I And think. then he said, go into it. And then he spoke. I don't think they were in it. They may have been. 
No, okay, so I'm confused. So he, they, they went he said, to, you three come out to the tent of meeting. So the three went out. Hmm. Well, they weren't in it. Right. They, they, you know, the tent of meeting. I the, read it wrong. Okay, that's all right. No problem. Yeah. Okay. So what is what do you think that it has to do with? What do you mean? I'll look. I'll read it. Let me read it more carefully. Okay. Okay. But I do have, I mean, you know, a long time, and I kind of just, I guess, ignore, try, try to ignore my reasoning, right? Uh huh. So, um, so you know, just since. And I think I hear it in you too. I mean, I think mm -hmm. it's, but the idea that, um, you know, what we know now that it's caused by a bacteria, right? And that there's ways to prevent it or stop it and that it only affects, it was saying in this one thing, 95% of the population can't get it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those kinds of things just make... They, well, they do. <laughs> they roll through your mind. And the other thing that really amazes me is if this is, as we talked about, if it really is uh, a judgment for a rebellious speech or whatever, then how come we don't see it today? My gosh, we ought right. to see it today. You know? <laughs> but then do we see a correlation to other things that people have? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And, you know, because that becomes a big debate, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, I, again, I don't have answers to all these questions. The, when I get in this position, this is just me, I just say, well, it's because God's God and I'm not. I mean, he can do what he wants, right? And people were much more used to uh, ascribing events that they didn't understand to God in this time than we are. As We're so pompous and arrogant these days that it's all us, right? We're the, we're the problem with everything. God hadn't got anything to do with it. And I think that's just as much an error as is what they were, my opinion. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I understand what you're okay. saying, but I do wonder if we don't, and maybe you're saying the opposite then. I do wonder, especially if this is the case, that there is a correlation that he is reprimanding them with the leprosy, then maybe we ought to look at more things, the correlation of what they are. Because because um, I... He's distinctly led me into the field, right, into the mm -hmm. field of he natural healing, things he's created, all things given mm -hmm. pertaining to life and godliness, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so in the people that I've seen over the years and seen correlations in their, um, like with cancer. So my dad passed with cancer, and I, I haven't really assessed it from him, but I, my friends that have passed away from cancer that we've spoken to, there was always, I've spoken with, there's always been this weird block that they had. Mm -hmm. Like their inability to um, settle down and listen to counsel. Mm -hmm. and, and my friend's going through it right now, and so then I'm comparing it, because I didn't think she, I, I guess I tuned it out, but mm -hmm. I'm seeing the correlation to two mm -hmm. of my other friends who had cancer that ended up passing away and seeing a, like a huge similarity. I think there certainly may be something to that. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe since we're so detective in wanting to understand what things mean, that I think it's been a taboo to topic, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and I that, agree with you. But we okay. should be more sure. maybe attentive. Well, yep. Certainly, at least individually and privately, we ought to. I think that Miriam was uh, an object lesson. Uh, to uh, show the other people that, hey, you know, uh, 
you're not going to do this because my anger is going to be great well, she, against I'm you. Sure she, yeah. And so yeah. she was an object lesson. Well, yeah. And again, I was thinking that uh, was this before the flood or uh, no, before no, long that? After, when, long after uh, the flood. When the people murmured against Moses when they were out in the desert and he struck the rock, could it be the same type of scenario? Well, it's similar that to that. that was, um, um, you know, why did you bring us out into yeah, the yeah. desert to dry? Yeah. God's got, well, God can see the heart. And so he can understand the motivation behind what we do and say. And it's the motivation, it's the heart that he's really after. You know, and so he, he can, he knows the thing that you, I really like to think about every now and then is it's important to realize that he knows us better than we do. Yes. Oh, I have a question about this uh, phrase in uh, verse 14. If her father had but spit in her face, is that uh, he dishonored? Yes. The daughter dishonored her father in some way, and and then he spit in her face. Yes. Now that's probably a cultural thing, huh? Well, yes and no. It is a cultural thing, and we're gonna we can talk about that at length at some point, but let me, let me say well, just quickly what it is. <laughs> Quick, quickly what it is, is um, spitting on someone makes them unclean. Oh, okay. And so if uh, someone had, you know, if a father spit on his daughter and he would do that, if she had done something that uh, dishonored him or something, I don't know, if he had whatever good reason, and then she would have to go through this. Yeah. This thing, just like. In this scenario, Yahweh is the father. Yeah. And she's the daughter. Yeah. That doesn't mean he still doesn't love her. He still loves her. No, no, her. no. That's right. Did you have something you want to talk about, Margaret? Margaret? Yeah. Um, I was just going to add to Joni's comments. A lot, of the, a lot of the situations we find ourselves in now is because, as a whole, I think our food is adulterated, our air is polluted, the ground is not kept the Sabbath. All these things have happened, and so we're reaping the consequences. We don't know exactly how things work, but if you really start studying each one, like the um, uh, genetically modified food, they change things, processes in your body, and so, yeah. you know, we were, we're left open to the diseases that yep. are curses. Yeah, yes, <laughs> you're exactly right. Okay. I drink day's water. <laughs> We've um, thank you for letting me do that. I wanted to talk a little about the Lashan Hara connection, if you will. And now we can go on. I'd like to. Someone want to read from verse forty-seven of chapter thirteen to the end of the chapter? Leviticus thirteen, Leviticus thirteen, starting in verse forty-seven, and go to the end of the chapter. Thirteen forty-seven. Yeah. Uh, okay. And when a garment has an infection of leprosy in it, in a woolen garment or in a linen garment, or in the warp or in the weft of linen or wool, or in leather or in any leather work, and the affection shall be greenish or reddish in the garment, or in the leather, or in the warp, or in the weft, or in any leather object, it is an infection of leprosy, and shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall look at the infection and shut up the, infect, the infected seven days. 
and he, he shall look at the infection on the seventh day. And when the infection has spread in the garment or in the warp or in the weft or in the leather of any gar, uh, leather, leather work, the infection is an act of leprosy, it is unclean. And he shall burn that garment or the warp or the weft in wool or in linen or any leather object in which the infection is for it is an act of leprosy. It is burned with fire. But if the priest looks and sees that the infection has not spread in the garment or in the warp or in the weft or in any leather object, then the priest shall give command and they shall wash that in which the infection is and he shall shut it up another seven days. And the priest shall look at the infection after it has been washed and see if the infection has not changed in appearance Though the infection has not spread, it is unclean and burn it in the fire. It is eaten away in its inside or outside. And if the priest shall look and see that the infection has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment or out of the warp or out of the weft or out of the leather. And if it is still seen in the garment or in the warp or in the weft or in any leather object, it is a spreading infection burn it with fire, that in which the infection is. And if you wash the garment or the warp or the weft or any leather object, if the infection has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time and shall be clean. This is the Torah of the infection of leprosy in a garment of wool or linen or in the warp or in the weft or in any leather object to pronounce it clean or to pronounce it unclean. Okay. And I so, had never heard of a weft before, but that's weft what it and says. warp. Mine just says uh, woven. Warp and, and weave have got those are the two different directions whenever you weave a fabric. Weft, yeah. Um, so what we find out here is that garments or cloth and leather materials can get leprosy too. My my Bible translates it as mildew, which is probably about right. Joe has something. It seems, uh, according to the scriptures, that the leprosy was both inside and out. It could be. Physically, it was in the body, but then it was affecting the clothing that a person wore. Well, that could be. Like I say, that's, uh, it's, it's difficult for me to make the leap between uh, leprosy on a person and leprosy on a garment. But nonetheless, here it is. And what's the procedure for, uh, for how, how that's dealt with? Say, you, say you've got this, this nice, you know, most of these people didn't have but one or two changes of clothing. So they got some nice woven tunic, and it gets this kind of black spot growing on it. What's the procedure that you go through? Do you want to talk about that? Or do you have a... So um, the idea that these are natural fi fibers, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that it's a it's a bacteria mm -hmm. is what it is, and not mildew, right? Because those mm -hmm. are different. And so maybe there's a way that that that's it's obviously feeding off of it. It and, could be. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. And then maybe to pick up on what Margaret was saying too, is um, the idea that. Um, the food sacrificed to idols. Um, we uh, understanding how much paganism is behind pagan worship is behind a lot of these 
people and groups that are doing the things that are to our demise, that it becomes a lot more um, our responsibility to to really look into a matter. Mm-hmm. And and then that's part of I think part of I mean why we've gotten to the place of not doing that because we've been taught not to and we've been um, brainwashed if you would or continually indoctrinated to either think we can't do anything about it or that it that uh, especially as believers that we're not supposed to go so deep. We're not supposed to overthink. Well, we're supposed to listen to those people that know it and we don't. Right, and then they yeah. replace, you know, yeah, Yahuwah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so all of these things tie in. And so um, it's nice that we go so so deep in the mm-hmm. Word. Mm-hmm. and But then maybe what um, needs to happen um, is that that has to become more. I mean, it has to be even greater. Well, I think... I, okay, this we're a little bit of feel, but the the thing is, is I think God asks us to do this. Now we're not. I don't understand this really. You know, I'll tell you what my opinion is. But God's going to work with each of us if if we go to Him and say, you know, perish the thought we might have the problem. But I'd really like to understand this more. He'll help you. But it's not necessarily going to come. You know, it may come over time. Right. And so what I'm not saying is I think what you're thinking I might be saying, but I'm. Like you said, it's over time and that we really need to have the heart that wants to be so set apart from the way that we've been taught yep. and that what we think, yep. I mean, our whole way of thinking has been turned around. Yeah, but we want to do that with the idea of doing what he wants us to do. Yeah. Okay, um, what's the process that goes through if you have a, like I say, this white tunic that's got this black spot on it, and you think it might be uh, some sort of a mildew or a whatever, some, something, that has, uh, something that the Bible would call leprosy. What do you do? Quarantine it, right? You take it to the priest, and the priest says, yep, boy, could be, and, and he sets it aside for seven days. Comes back in seven days and looks at it and sees whether it's grown, right? And if it hasn't grown any, he washes it and sets it aside another seven days. If he gets back and it hadn't done anything, then don't know what it was. It must have been an oil. Uh, whenever you were changing the oil in your pickup truck, you got to drop on there or something like that. So, so that's fine. You know, you can cut it out and go on about your business. But if it grows, if, it, if this black spot starts spreading, then it is some kind of a, an infection, if you will. It's some kind of a growth, some kind of an organism. And the whole thing needs to be burned. So, that's that. These are interesting things, but now, again, to emphasize, the priest's job was to determine whether or not uh, an object or a person had, had this, had uh, tzaharat, is what it's called, tzaharat. Um, and once he determined that, then there was a process that you went through. So now, chapter 14 is, once you've uh, had this, um, if you become cured, who gets credit for the cure? God. You know, the priest doesn't do anything, right? All the priest does is says, yeah, you got it, or no, you don't. So if you're going to get cured, God's going to cure you. So when God cures you, uh, then you need to be cleansed so that you can come back in good standing. A leper didn't necessarily spend their whole life in the leper colony unless they had it, you know, unless it was something that God judged that they were going to have to stay there forever. 
uh, for their life. But uh, I guess my point is, is that there were ways out. And the ways out were to come to the priest. Actually, you had the priest come to you and look at, look at what you used to have for leprosy and see if there's anything there. And if there's not, then you could, he could say, okay, you've been cleansed or you've been cured. Now let's go through a process so that you can come back in God's presence. Uh, Margaret's got something. I guess, I guess the, <laughs> I'm just thinking compared to nowadays, the priest would be the hazmat guy. Yeah, that's about <laughs> the one right. To determine, I know I had a, a, I had a leak in my house, and then, you know, they had to come and check it for asbestos, and they had to do the whole thing. And so it's like I'm thinking, wow, but really, you start thinking about it, the the mildew does start growing yes. per, pretty quickly, especially in the Arizona heat. So, yep, yep. Um, and I'm sure in the desert too, you know, things. Well, things, I think. Things will start growing, so... Yep, I agree, and I think yeah. there's, uh, there's those kind of factors that have uh, uh, a more significant influence on people's health yeah. than we think. Yeah, it, it does, because there's a long-term effect. Yeah. Uh, if, if you have mold in your house, then that's a hazmat situation. Yep. And even the workers now, you know, they're required to dress up and mm -hmm. put the face mask on and... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, take the air out and do all kinds of cleanliness stuff. And here, it was pretty much basic, basic yeah. stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, is based on what was going on with other people at the times, this was a big deal. I mean, this was pretty advanced. Joe's got something. What kept the priest from getting leprosy after he was doing all this stuff? Well, the, the, was he somehow... Uh, or they were somehow protected by well, God's they, supernatural power? I think so. They weren't wearing hazmat suits. But I think the idea was God was, God was watching over him. And they didn't get too involved. I mean, you know, they, they, like I say, they were careful. Whenever they needed to inspect these people, they went there. They didn't have them come to them. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I suppose I, yeah, I, I can see it well enough over there. You don't need to come any closer. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, um, so chapter 14 is how you get cleansed after you've been cured with leprosy. Would somebody like to read chapter 14, 32, verses 1 through 32 of chapter 14, after you get to eating your popcorn? That was a dirty trick to play on you, wasn't it? Yeah, that's because we like you so much. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, this shall be the Torah of the leper for the day of his cleansing, and he shall be brought to the Kohen. And the Kohen shall go out of the camp, and the Kohen shall look and see if the leprosy have healed in the leper. Then the Kohen shall command, and he shall take for him who is to be cleansed to live and two live and clean birds, and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And the Kohen shall command, and he shall kill one of the birds in the earthen vessel over running water. Let him take the live bird and the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird and the blood and the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the bird, live bird loose in the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his garments and shall shave off all his hair and wash himself in water and shall be clean. 
Then after that, he comes into the camp, but shall stay outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, it shall be that he shaves all of the hair off of his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair he shaves off. And he shall wash his garments and wash his body in water and shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he takes two male lambs, perfect ones, and one ooh lamb, a year old, a perfect one, and three-tenths part of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. And the Kohen who is cleansing shall present the man who is to be cleansed with these before Yahweh at the door of the tent of appointment. And the Kohen shall take one male lamb and bring it as a guilt offering, and the log of oil, and wave them as a wave offering before Yahweh. And he shall slaughter the lamb in the place where he slaughters the sin offering and the burnt offering, in a Kodesh place. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the Kohen. It is most Kodesh. And the Kohen shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the Kohen shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the Kohen shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his left hand. And the Kohen shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand, and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before Yahweh. And of the rest of the oil in his hand, the Kohen puts some of the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the Kohen's hand, he puts on the head of him who is to be cleansed. And the Kohen shall make atonement for him before Yahweh. And the Kohen shall make the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterward, he slaughters the burnt offering. And the Kohen shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. And the Kohen shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and is unable to afford it, that he shall take one male lamb as a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him, and one-tenth part of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and a log of oil, and two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, and one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering, and he shall bring them to the coin on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tent of appointment before Yahweh, and the Kohen shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil, and the Kohen shall wave them as a wave offering before Yahweh. And he shall slaughter the lamb of the guilt offering, and the Kohen shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the Kohen pours some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand, and the Kohen shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before Yahweh. And the Kohen shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the Kohen's hand he puts on the head of him who is to be cleansed, to make atonement for him before Yahweh. And he shall prepare one of the turtle doves or young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, that which he is able to afford, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering, with the grain offering. And the coins shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before Yahweh. This is the Torah for one who had an infection of leprosy, who was unable to afford it for his cleansing. Okay. This is amazing stuff, isn't it? <laughs> 
Okay, so like I say, the scenario is the, the person has been um, diagnosed, if you will, with leprosy and has been out in the, uh, out of the camp for who knows how long, and he gets word, the priest gets word that uh, he's been cured. He doesn't have these, you know, he's, he's not flaky anymore. Uh, he, he looks healed. So the priest goes out and looks at him and says, well, well, I'll be. Looks like you're, looks like you're better, you know? So then we have to go through this cleansing process. Um, so describe the cleansing process. Can anyone, I mean, you read it. Did you get what, what happens? Okay, the first thing is we have these two birds, right? And he gets two turtle doves, this, uh, the guy that needs to be cleansed, and he goes, uh, he gives them to the priest, and the priest kills one over running water and over a clay pot. Now, it's never been clear to me whether the running water is in the clay pot or not, but anyway, he kills him, and, and this bird's blood is, is caught in the clay pot. And then he takes the blood um, and he sprinkles it seven times uh, around the altar, uh, I think. And then he puts some on his earlobe, his right ear, and the thumb of his right thumb, and his right big toe. And then he also brings oil, and they do the same thing with that, right? So that's, and the, that bird, after that bird has been dipped in the, the blood of the other bird, that bird is released, okay? So that's part of it. Um, then this guy also has to bring, this person, has to bring, what other animals? Two male lambs and a female lamb, okay? And each one of those is a specific offering, right? One of them is the uh, guilt offering, one of them is the sin offering, and one of them is a burnt offering. And all of those are offered in accordance with the the scripture that says how to do that it also brings the meal offering and, and some oil. And it's quite an elaborate affair. Um, there is, at the end of the passage, toward the end of the passage, there's a, now three lambs. Uh, the three lambs are probably not a great deal of money, but uh, they could be if you're not very wealthy. And so there's a, a way to, um, if you're not very wealthy, you can, well, do you see what the substitute was? There was no substitute for the guilt offering. The one of the male, you had to have a male lamb for the guilt offering in any case. But you could substitute pigeons or doves, one each for the sin offering and the burnt offering. And that all had to be done. Um, do you remember the significance of the blood and the oil on the uh, right ear and the right thumb and the right big toe? Do you remember what we saw for the Kind of the thought behind that, Joe? I think it's interesting, the right ear, the right toe, the right, you know, yep. there's that. Uh, and, uh, and even in today's, uh, where the people who do the aerobic therapy, they, in all the books, it's the same principle, the right ear, the right thumb, you know, the right this, the right yeah. that. Uh, okay. And I think it's interesting that, uh, but one of the things that I don't understand is you take the, the oil in the left hand and you take, it, uh, take the oil uh, from that hand to the right hand. What was the purpose of that? Well, you had to go from one to the other. 
I mean, he puts some oil in this hand and he takes it and does this with it. So the oil sits in the left hand and he takes it with his right hand and does the earlobe or whatever he's doing. So that, that's the significance. I guess it assumes the guy's right-handed, but not that you have to be right-handed to do that. So to remind you, the idea of the right ear is to hear God, right? And the right thumb is to do what God asks you to do, and the right toe is to walk the way God asks you to walk. Okay, so that's uh, doing, hearing, hearing, doing, and walking. Does this look like similar to anything else we've looked at? Beg your pardon? The part where they do the, the cleansing here, um, where they have to shave all their hair in verse 8? Yep. Didn't, didn't Paul yep. have to go through all that? Yep. Where they yep. shave yep. all now, the hair of their head and their face and everything. Yeah. Now, that was for a different purpose, yeah. but, but that's it's it's the same, same kind of thing. Type. Yep, it is. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to, there is a, well, we'll talk about the lepers in the New Testament here in just a minute because that's important with respect to this. But this is, this, this is what had to go, had to happen in order for these people to be cleansed and then able to come back into camp and to participate with the, the life of the Israelites, you know, of their people. Uh, let's see if someone's going to say. And when it was done, partway through here, the priest pronounced them clean, right? And also, if you noticed, those, uh, the guilt offering and the sin offering, the priests got a part of that offering. You remember back when we were looking at those offerings, those part of the animal belonged to the priest. So the priest got something out of that too. I guess... What I was going to do is, there, is uh, there are a couple of things about lepers in the New Testament that I thought might be into the Brit Hadashah. i got to quit using this old Christian terminology, right? Um, and let's see, there's, there's one story that's talked about in three of the Gospels, um, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I think the best one to read it out of is Mark. So let's go to Mark chapter 1. But you can easily find where the others are if you want to read them. How would you go about doing that? We'll read this and then we'll come back. Thanks. Mark chapter 1, um, starting in verse 40. It says, A man with leprosy came to him, Yeshua, and begged him on his knees, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Yeshua reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Yeshua sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So that's what we just read. That was the sacrifices that Moses commanded be offered. And so that's what they were supposed to do. And then verse 45 says, Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Yeshua could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. 
yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So I just thought that was interesting. Like I say, you can go find the, find the companions to that in Mark and Luke and read about it. Mark, sorry about that. So I've said this a few times, so we're talking about it, so I'll bring it up again. So you said that you could, well, let me say this first. I, I, I want to set the table right. Okay. So what, what is this cleansing? What is, we, you talked about leprosy was uh, for Lashon Hara or whatever. But what I really want to focus in on is what's happening to the person is they're in a state of death because literally the, the skin is dying on them. And so just like touching a dead body or carcass, because there's death on his flesh, he's unclean. Okay. Okay. Yep. So to cleanse the death, it takes the one thing you cannot substitute is a male lamb. You see, when they were trying to do circumcision as the entrance into the kingdom, they were being told, no, there is no other. You can't substitute the male lamb to take away the death. You've got to accept the male lamb, Yeshua, to remove the sentence of death against you to come back in. Because they couldn't come back into the camp until they were pronounced clean. clean. That's right. So what's interesting about this is, just like you have two birds, one's killed over running water, the other one's set free. So uh, Barabbas, which is uh, the son of the father, he's standing beside Yeshua and he's set free. Yep. Yeshua, like another bird that's killed over running water, is killed on, I believe, the Mount of Olives over the running water of the Kidron. You have the same three elements, the, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the... Yep. All of those things with Yeshua on the cross. So the, the similarities, because what's being removed with what Yeshua digs, it says, what was nailed to the cross was sin and death. What's taken care of with the leprosy is his death. Yep. Yeah. I think that's really good. Wish I had explained it that way. That's <laughs> also, these, uh, the, the two birds are very similar to the two goats that we see in atonement. Right? One goat is, is sacrificed, and the other goat is set free. John? You had a question about how to find these in the other Gospels? Yeah, that's, I was wondering. Go ahead. So you go to livingmessiah.com. Uh-huh. Go to the chapter that you're looking at, Mark chapter 1, and there's a button over that says Harmony. Harmony. You click at that, and then you'll see all the ones that are... Great. Great. A, a so plug. that's the easiest way to a do that. A little plug. A little plug. I think that's great. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. So any questions about this, uh, the process that goes through, the cleansing process? Again, the priest does it. God gets the credit for the curing, but the priest has to do the cleansing so that the person can be in a state that allows him to be back in communion with God. Uh, leprosy could be a uh, like sin from what Mark said that if leprosy is the same as sin then uh, the offerings uh, the lamb and so on and so forth they they took the place and what Mark said I don't know how I uh, put this but 
if uh, leprosy is sin, let's say, and then the offerings that they, the person who was uh, had the leprosy went to the priest and did the sacrifices, we do that today where we don't uh, slaughter animals, but uh, we go to the cross in order to obtain salvation to give from our sins. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. Same. Yeah, I guess uh, I'd struggle a little bit with uh, um, the leprosy being sin or even symbolic of sin. It's, it's a punishment is what it is. It's an effect. Uh, but the sin is there, you know, and the sin has to be dealt with. And that's what the, that's what the guilt offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering are all about. And I think it's, it is significant that the, the one thing that you can't get away from by pleading, oh, I'm too poor to pay for all this, is the, the male lamb that's required for the guilt offering. That, that you have to have, no matter what your uh, economic status. And so I'm, I'm sure that's for a reason. That's, uh, so anyway, let's go on, if that's all right. And... Somebody want to read from chapter th- or verse 33 to the end of chapter 14. Uh, Leviticus chapter 14, verse 33 to the end of the chapter. We just got through reading up through verse 32. So verse 33 to the end. Leviticus 14. Leviticus chapter 14, verses 33. To the end of the chapter. To the end of the chapter. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe and to Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, Canaan? Canaan, yep. Canaan, which I am giving you as a possession. And I put a plague of leprosy in a house in the land of your possession. Then shall the one who owns the house come and inform the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house, and the Kohen shall command, and they shall empty the house before the priest, <clears throat> excuse me, Kohen, um, um, in my scripture means pe- uh, priest. Yep. And the Kohen shall command, and they shall empty the house before the Kohen goes in to look at the plague, so that all that is in the house is not made unclean. And after that, the Kohen goes in to look at the house, And he shall look at the plague and see if the plague is on the walls of the house with sunken places, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall, then the Kohen shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. And the Kohen shall come again on the seventh day and look and see. If the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the Kohen shall command, 
and they shall remove the stones with the plague in them, and they shall throw them outside the city into an unclean place. While he lets the house be scraped inside all around, and the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city, and they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones and take other mortar and plaster the house. And if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has removed the stones, after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered, then the Kohen shall come and look and see if the plague has spread in the house. It is an active leprosy in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and its timbers, and all the plaster of the house. And he shall bring them outside the city to an unclean place. And he who goes into the house all the days while it is shut up becomes unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house has to wash his garments, and he who eats in the house has to wash his garments. However, if the Kohen indeed comes in and looks at it and sees that the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the Kohen shall pronounce the house, un pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. And to cleanse the house, he shall take two birds and cedar wood and scarlet and hyssop. And he shall kill one of the birds in the earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet and the live bird and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in running water and shall sprinkle the house seven times. He shall thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the live bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet. And he shall let the live bird loose outside the city in the open field and shall make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. This is the Torah for any infection of leprosy and eruption, and for leprosy of a garment and of a house, and for a swelling, and for a scab, and for a bright spot, to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the Torah of leprosy. Thanks. Mark's got something. So I'm reminded uh, several times reading through here, three of the weapons that the Almighty uses, he says many, many times, is sword, famine, and plague. Well, this is a plague. Yep. So who's doing it? Because that's one of his weapons. The other thing is I'm reminded of how the house is torn down because of the, le the leprosy or the mark of leprosy. 
is how God, uh, to both the northern and southern kingdom, he tore down everything because of the death or the sin or the uncleanness that was in it. He com- he had the enemies come in and level it. Yep, completely destroy it. He got rid of all of the sin and all of the uncleanness completely because it was, it it, it just kept breaking out. Yeah, it kept growing. Yeah. yeah, he would try to pull a couple of stones out and put it, you know, and it just kept getting bad, worse and worse. So yeah. he had to come in and tear it down. So it's, this is uh, how you cleanse a house that has uh, leprosy, if you will, right? You go in, and if there's a growth on the wall, they come in, they take everything out first, and you're not allowed back in there because you'll be contaminated. And then they come in, and they dig out the, the stones that, are, uh, that look like they've got this black stuff growing on them. Um, I guess it says reddish or greenish. And then they take those out, and they take the plaster out uh, and put it in an unclean place outside the city. And then they come in and they, they clean it all up and put, uh, put new plaster on it and let it sit for seven days. They come back and they see, has it returned? And uh, I think it might be twice they do that. But anyway, if it's not returned, they say, okay, fine. But if it's returned, then yeah, you're done. Tear the thing down. The whole house. Boy, that'd be a bummer, wouldn't it? But that's uh, this very interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Yep. So that's the um, <clears throat> the end of the uh, two or three chapters that are on leprosy, on uh, whether you want to call it plague or um, mildew, the way mine does, or uh, fungus, or yeah, it does. It really, it's really, it's really interesting. So we got time. We'll move on to the next one, chapter fifteen. Let's see. Let's read the chapter 15 through verse 18, from the beginning through verse 18. This is more about uncleanness, things that cause uncleanness. Um, who would like to read chapter 15 from verse 1 through 18? And the Lord spoke unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When any man has an issue out of his flesh, his issue is unclean. And this shall be his uncleanness in his issue, whether his flesh runs with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue. It is his uncleanness. Every bed whereon he has uh, the issue lieth shall be unclean, and everything whereon he sitteth shall be unclean. And whosoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And he that sitteth on anything whereas whereon uh, he has the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And he that touches the flesh of him that has the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And if he that has the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes 
and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And what saddle was uh, and what saddle soever he that has the issue right up on shall be unclean. And whosoever touches anything that was under him shall be unclean until the evening. And he that beareth those things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And whomsoever he that has the issue touches without having wrenched his hand in wa- his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And the earthen vessels with he that has the issue touches shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be wrenched in water. And when he that has an issue is clean of his issue, then he shall uh, number to himself seven days for his cleaning, and wash his clothes, and he shall bathe his flesh running in running water, and shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take to him two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord unto the door of the tent of the meeting and give them unto the priest. And the priest shall offer them the one for the sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord for his issue. And if the flow of sea goes out from a man, then he shall bathe all his flesh in water and be unclean until the evening. And every garment and every skin whereon is the flow of seed shall be washed with water and be unclean until the evening. Okay, that's good for now. We'll stop there. So, this is an interesting thing. Now, it's important to realize that this is um, ceremonial uncleanness. It's not sin we're talking about here. So, um, this... The thing that causes you to be unclean, ceremonially unclean, is some sort of a, a bodily discharge, all right? Now, I, I've got this very graphic note in my Bible. I'm going to read it just because it helps me understand a little bit better. It says, bodily can refer to any fleshly thing, but it often signifies the reproductive organs. Discharge can mean any, either a runny fluid or a blocked fluid, that is, thickened or coagulated. Discharges from various kinds of infections included diarrhea, urethral discharge, including gonorrhea, and respiratory infections like a runny nose. Notably, such uncleanness is considered more serious than uncleanness from animals or skin diseases. So, like I say, if there's the Bible's nothing else, it's graphic, you know. So, these are things that, like I say, they're not sin, but they cause you to be unclean. And what's the... What's the cure, if you will? What, how do you get back to a state of cleanness? You wash, and you wait a day, right? And then uh, you need to, uh, um, on the eighth day, you need to go up and, and present an offering to be, to be cleansed, right? Are there any thoughts about that, any? This is just for what it's worth, my least favorite chapter. Somebody want to read from verse 19 down to 30? Nobody will volunteer now. Nobody wants to read this one. 19 to 30 in, in Leviticus 15 are called the laws of Nida. 
Leviticus, Leviticus 19. 15. 15, 19, 19. 18, 18. We only read through okay. 17. 18. The woman also whom, with whom she sh shall lie with the seed of copulation, they should both bathe themselves in water and be unclean until the evening. And if a woman have an issue and her issue is in her flesh, be blood. She shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. And everything that she lies upon, her separation shall be unclean. Everything also that she sits upon shall be unclean. And whosoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And whosoever touches anything that she sat upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. And if it be on her bed or anything whereon she sits, when, she, when he touches it, he shall be unclean until the evening. And if any man lies with her at all, and the uncleanness of her period be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days, and all the bed whereon he lies shall be unclean. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of time, of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lies all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. And whatsoever she sits upon shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her separation. And whosoever touches those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. But if she be cleansed <coughs> of her issue and she shall number to herself seven days and after that <coughs> she shall be clean. And on the eighth day she shall take unto her two turtle doves and two young pigeons and bring them unto the priest to the door of the meeting tent of the congregation, and the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her before Yahweh, for it is the issue of her <coughs> uncleanness. Thus... That's, that's okay. Well, let's talk about those, and then I'll read those last okay. two sentences in a minute, last two verses. So, <coughs> the first part of the chapter seems to be about male uncleanness, and this seems to be about female uncleanness. So, what's the, what's the rule? If a woman is in her period, she's unclean. Now, again, unclean is not something like, oh, bad news. It's, it, it restricts what you can do, but it's not sin or anything like that. It just has to do with your uh, ability to come before God. Um, and, and it lasts as long as the, the flow is there. Um, I'm reminded of the story, you remember Rachel, when uh, her father was out looking for the uh, idols, the household idols that she had stolen, and she had them in her camel saddle, and she was sitting on them, and he comes in and looking through her stuff, and she says, <coughs> I'm, I'm in my monthly period here, so otherwise I'd get up, and he says, okay, okay, that's fine, right? So obviously they knew about it back then, didn't they? Yeah, and then the the woman, the picture over there, the woman that uh, that met Yeshua and says she had been having a, a flow of blood for 
years and years, and it made her in a state of ceremonial uncleanness. So, yeah. Mark, did you have something? So the big debate mm -hmm. about this is, I'll just throw it in there, uh, is it seven or is it 14 days? I, well, what do you mean, is it seven or is it for where? For a woman during her cycle. It, I, I didn't pay that much attention. And I'm just, I'm only, I'm, I'm not saying which way I lean to or what is the right thing, but it says here in verse 28, when she becomes clean from her discharge, when she becomes clean, then she shall count off for seven. herself seven days, and after that, she will be clean. Mine says on the eighth, eighth day, yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. I had, like I said, I hadn't paid. Go ahead. Well, then it makes a difference, too, since most people, I mean, all of us are not really paying attention to it. That means anywhere we're sitting, anywhere we're going, you know, then our whole focus needs to be way shifted. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, is um, since since the laws are pertinent for eternity, in a sense, these ones go away. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I remember whenever we would go to Israel uh, and you find yourself in some of these more orthodox communities, you'll find that the men are very kind of standoffish. They won't, uh, they're, they're careful not to sit beside you or shake hands with you or everything because they don't know whether or not you're in your time. Yeah. So obviously, during this period, the woman is in her unclean state. The, the man and woman aren't coming together to cohabitate, right? Right. It's very interesting that the woman is at her most susceptible to become pregnant at the 14th day. Ah, I did not know that. So there was a, there was a hidden agenda in that question of yours. Okay. Interesting things, this. So the, <clears throat> beg your pardon? The, I'll leave the last two verses because they're the, to me they kind of sum up everything. Verse 31 says, You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. These are my regulations for a man with a discharge, for anyone made unclean by an emission of semen, for a woman in her monthly period, for a man or a woman with a discharge, or for a man who lies with a woman who is ceremonially unclean. So it's about uncleanness. It says these, you must teach them, you must keep them, Israelites, separate from things that make them unclean. Because God can't, he can't have communion with you if you're in an unclean state. I don't fully understand it, but... It's pretty clear that's what we're talking about. In verse 31, that's very interesting. It, it says, the children of Israel from their uncleanness, comma, at least they die in their uncleanness. What's that? Well, I, I'm not sure, but it, it makes me think back on um, Nadab and Abihu. I mean, aside from the fact that they were offering unauthorized fire, if you will, 
they may have been unclean. I think we can show you places where, uh, or we can go to places where if you, uh, if you touch God's holy articles in the state of uncleanness, you die. I mean, he told the Israelites not to, not to set foot on the mountain and things like that. I, I think that's what it's talking about. Uh, but I could be wrong. Did you have a different thought? Mm-hmm. You think that's that's what it's talking about? Yeah, it could be. And like I say, I'm. Before you die, you want to see your loved ones. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. Or there might be something you want to do. But if you're unclean, you, you know, you see, yeah. you may not have that option. And if so, it would cause a, a chain of events causing uncleanliness, a lot of cleaning. Okay, but mine sends me in a different direction, the way it's translated. It says, uh, keep the Israelites separate from the things that make them unclean so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. So I, I, I didn't view it as uh, it's bad if they die in their uncleanness. I viewed it's bad that they die. So, but I could be wrong. Okay, we first started out with the dietary loss of God, well, you know, to ago, yeah. uh, keep him uh, healthy and everything else like that. And we yep. go to the different diseases and uh, the remedy for that, not only for the body itself, but for the uh, surrounding things that now we're up to another point where uh God is protecting the people of Israel from all this. Or I don't know if the other nations were involved in this, but I know that uh, the dietary law, the health, uh, health of the Israelites, and everything else all seems to come together. It's a progression. Well, um, I see your point, but I'm going to disagree a little bit in that he makes it pretty clear it's not about health, although it does have benefits in that regard. It's about uncleanness. You know, it's what He demands of us in order to be close to Him. And in order to have communion with Him, we have to be clean. And these are the food, uh, the leprosy, all of it has to do with cleanness. So but that's, all, you know, that's all I can say because that's what it says. Yes. I know. So that's what... Um, seeing so much is so amazing, especially listening to other people's comments like about how foolish it is that, you know, that, you know, Yoda didn't know how to heal it or whatever. Um, but you really see that the purpose is so different. Yeah. The issue here is, um, and maybe even part of the reason why it wasn't all explained, you know, or given how they could be healed of it was more for the concept that the cleanness when we come into his presence, is uh, a big, big deal. It's a big deal. 
There's a lot, of, a lot of what God asks us to do that I don't understand. But like I say, he makes it known what, what's important to him. Right. And it seems like that becomes one of the biggest shifts that we have to have. Yes. And then the other thing is, is with all of these sacrifices, then at least the Levitical priests were being fed well. Yes. Well, <laughs> but I was going to say, tying it in with those sacrifices, you'll notice that every single one of them has to be perfect without defect. It's the same kind of thing. It's the same issue. It's the same uh, point. You know, don't come to me with uh, lame animals and stuff like that. They need to be perfect. They need to be the best. Well, and also, you need to be clean. Also, things that people don't understand. Like I found when, I, when one of the sites was saying, it's like you can hear them not understanding. And part of it, too, is um, like the, the purpose of, of giving those offerings and then the the whole cycle of it, like they're mm -hmm. like, it's so foolish because they're just wasting these animals. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, though, it wasn't wasted. It was actually purposeful that way yes. also. Yep, yep. I'm going to, we're late. You know how I am. I hate to be late. You guys are all doing very good being being on time. Go ahead, Mike. Oh, I just wanted to say, uh, I forgot. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, it's not, it's the uh, Torah of uncleanness it's his instruction on how you deal with uncleanness because uncleanness is going to happen. Yes. It's just a part of life. So he just wants us to deal with it and not remain unclean. Yeah, that's why I say that's it's, I it's really hard to get that's out of I this. Think with the guy dying, it's not a matter that if you're unclean, you're going to die. If you just, you know, don't take it seriously and, you know, just like, ah, so what, you know, you're going to yeah. die. Yeah. One more. One more, okay. Okay, now what this says to me is if you approach his Mishkan in the, where his dwelling place is in a state of uncleanness, you're going to die. Yeah, that's what it says to me too. Okay. Okay, that's what it says to me too. All right, let me close in prayer. Well, Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for this discussion. Um, you know my heart and how difficult this is for me, but I really appreciate the discussion and appreciate this group of people that came out to discuss your Torah tonight. Keep us safe. Help us think on these things and uh, just help us enjoy our time until we meet together next week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Next week, Day of Atonement. So I'm excited about that one. Yep. Yep, okay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks a lot.